Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi there. My name is Jane. My name's Kat. And this is Made You Look, a podcast where we watch episodes of each other's favourite TV shows and then try to work out why we actually like the things that we like. Yeah, and like last week, sometimes it kind of continues to be a mystery a little bit. I mean, I understood why. It's just that I will never agree. And it's just not a good show, really? No, no. Not anymore. Not anymore, but that's okay. There's Some shows are good, some shows are bad, and today hopefully we're going to talk about a relatively good one. Despite its age. Despite its age. Mm-hmm. So we are doing Hindsight this season. Which is our sixth season where we're actually going back, taking a look at some other episodes the other has made the person watch, mm-hmm. and uh, seeing if maybe a second time round we can pick a different episode that they might might, you know, become more relatable to, understand the characters a bit more, or get to the heart of really why that person loves the show so much in the first place. Exactly. So, Jane, what did you make me watch this week? I made you watch Press Gang. Again. Again. (laughs) I love this show so much. You know what? It's, it's, Pretty decent. <laughs> it's pretty decent for its age. I've got to give it that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely for its age. Uh, speaking of its age, I'll give you a little bit of a background into the history of the show. Please do. The show ran for five seasons, beginning in 1989. Mm-hmm. So old. God bless it. It's so <laughs> well for a 1989 show. Every episode of it was written by Stephen Moffat. Mm -hmm. It was an idea that actually came from his dad, who was a school principal, Mm -hmm. who had this idea for for a show called The Norbridge Files. And he basically was given the option to have this show created. And he was like, cool, I'll give you the rights to my show, but you have to hire my son as the writer. Uh, Stephen Moffat was a teacher at the time and desperately wanted to get out of teaching Mm -hmm. and become a TV writer. And he sort of jumped the queue. Because of his dad. Nepotism. That's okay. That's what the arts is all about. Right, guys? Yeah. Anyway, so it's a great TV show. Like I said, ran for five seasons, but some of those seasons were quite short. So there's actually only 43 episodes. Mm. And it ended in 1993, kind of, you know, ended with a bang. They knew that it was going to be their last episode for sure. So this show ended when I was one. When I was two. Three? Three? Yes, I'm born in 1990. That's right. I'm two years older than I you. I always forget that you're two years older yes, than I'm me. I always old, think that it's one woman. year older than me. Old woman. 
So yeah, I was three years old when this show ended, but I did first discover it on reruns on probably ABC, Mm -hmm. I imagine. Yeah, it would have been ABC. Yeah, when my older sister was watching it. That explains why I never saw it as a kid, though, because for us to get ABC, my dad had to either wait for a rainy day, (laughs) so the uh, older antenna would actually get the reception of Channel ABC, or if we were really wanting to watch the show, we'd get dad outside with a hose, so he'd actually like spray water onto the antenna, and we would get... That makes no (laughs) sense. It doesn't, but it kind of worked. Why did water make your antenna conduct better? No, but we couldn't get the other channels. So we couldn't get the main channels if, if it was raining, but we could get ABC and better reception on SBS. I Whereas would, sometimes it would just be kind of bad reception of SBS and all the main channels and not ABC. I feel like I'd love to send that to Reply All as a super tech support and be like, <laughs> can you explain the logic behind this, please? This makes no sense to me. Even though I think the technicalities of like analog antennas are very much no longer relevant to today's climate. No, but they, they would have fun trying to work that out anyway. <laughs> it would be interesting. It I wouldn't would be, lie. I'd love to know. Anyway, so yes, that's how I first discovered it. It originally ran on ITV in England, in the UK, at a 4.45pm time slot, so it's definitely an afternoon kids show, but actually it's very much aimed at older kids and younger teenagers and delves into some pretty like serious stuff at times. Mm. Um, And there's a lot of interesting like language that I don't think would pass... A 4.45 time slot today? Yeah, sometimes, but also definitely... These kids are very smart. They are very smart. I love it. Anyway, we won't go too much further into that. I will first of all give you guys... Now the show context and the episode context. Uh, Jane goes into a lot more detail in our previous episode uh, where we talk about the press gang in terms of some of the production history as well. If you are interested in that. Yes, I've chosen um, not to give a complete recap on the entire history of the production of this show because I have done that in the past. Yes, uh, but um, if you are interested, because it is quite fascinating and I do love it when Jane can literally go off on a complete tangent without even like looking at her laptop for any sort of reference. Yeah, I just know this shit. She she definitely knows this show quite a bit. And if you're interested in that, uh, that would have been episode 30 uh, back in Eye Candy. Uh, yes. At the end of that episode, you want to have a look? There it is. Just Google it or YouTube it or no, not YouTube. I'll find it on the TNC network. There it's we all go. there. Yeah. So I am actually going to give the same show context that I gave last time because I managed to boil it down to a very succinct understanding of the show. It was very help. It was easier this time round. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just copied and pasted it. So, uh, and it turns out that the episode context doesn't really matter that much anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a good show context. Mm-hmm. The Junior Gazette is an initiative of the local newspaper in Sherrington, England, in which they allow teenagers to independently run their own newspaper written and intended for children slash teens. It's really meant to be a learning experience, but the teens who work there are a combination of kids who really want a career in journalism and kids who have been sent there as punishment. The editor of the newspaper is Linda Day, 16 years old, ruthless, driven, hyper-focused on the success of the Junior Gazette, Though she's more than a little socially awkward, somewhere on the spectrum, me, definitely for sure. Her best reporter is Spike Thompson, the smooth talking American rebel. They love and hate each other in equal measure, soulmates with a very tumultuous relationship. Other important characters on the show include Kenny, Linda's second in charge, who knows how to handle her best, Sarah, mild-mannered but the best writer on the paper, and Colin, the money-crazed accountant who always has some sort of scheme brewing. 
And the episode context that I've given you is not a lot because you don't need a lot. It's yeah. it's a very episode of the week kind of show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all you really need to know is that at this point in the show, Spike and Linda are dating and that Sarah has kind of been steadily growing more confident. She's been getting more confidence from the newspaper and, you know, tends to argue a lot more with Linda these days than she used to. Mm, no longer a doormat. No longer a doormat. Uh, so the episodes that I gave you are, this is obviously a shorter TV show, half an hour or mm-hmm. probably even less. So with that rule, uh, Jane gets to give me two episodes instead of one. Correct. And the episodes I have given are season two, episode nine, Friends Like These, and season two, episode 10, The Rest of My Life. All right. So I'm going to jump into my recap here. Um, and there is a lot that they cram into under 20 minute episodes or 24 minute episodes. Efficiency of storytelling. This oh, is what I'm talking about, people. Oh my gosh. Like almost every scene is important. <laughs> so doing a recap of this is like eight paragraphs. Oh my gosh. This was difficult, Jane. <laughs> I know. I know. Because it's so fucking well written. That it is can... quite well written. We're going to go into that after I go through my recap for a little yeah. bit. So okay. We'll try, try and get through it as fast as we can, but you know, it's important that you know. Yes. So, episode nine. There is a musician celebrity, Jason Wood, guessing he's a real person, kind of famous. I know, I think they made him up. Okay, right. Finds himself stuck at the local train station of Sherrington, far from civilization, and is spotted by one of the press gang. Sarah wakes up in the morning, leaving multiple reminders to herself in posters and messages on the mirror to tell her today definitely in various orders. And in the newsroom, Sarah asks Kenny where Linda is and hearing it's a day off, she heads out immediately straight back out. Getting the tip about the musician from one of their own, Kenny tells them to keep an eye on him, but not to approach him, confirming with others that he's been very difficult and sometimes violent with journalists before in the past. Stir crazy with her day off, Linda wants Kenny's permission to come back to the office after she's been being away during all morning but is interrupted by Sarah showing up at her house. Sarah tells her that she's quitting the Junior Gazette to commit a to a writer's club so she can focus on two afternoons a week and it will be way too much with the paper. Linda promptly tells her to go to hell. But hearing that from Kenny that Sarah would be the best person for the job in the interview to interview the musician and break him down with a soft, sweet, gentle nature, she calls her back out uh, from out of the house and saying that she was just kidding. At the office, Linda secludes Sarah and herself to a small room where she grills her over and over about potentially being jealous of her being editor and that their friendship has suffered when she became her boss, among other things. Fraz and Spike distract a uh, news reporter from uh, the train station and send her into another direction completely. And then they also flatter a train announcer as... Fluffing him with a uh, promise. <laughs> Fluffing him? Yes, isn't that when you're like, you know, primp and preem? And I might be using that word quite wrong. I'm pretty sure that um, when you say you're fluffing somebody, it's a bit like, more physical? It's, I'm pretty sure it's a pornography term. Oh. That you like fluff somebody to keep them. Oh, yes, it is. Like, That's an actual role on a porn shoot, a fluffer. Yeah. That's, they weren't fluffing him. They weren't fluffing him. <laughs> they were building him up. With the promise of a uh, local celebrity piece uh, that they needed to talk to him about and managed to put forth a fake announcement to keep the musician to stay at bay. It is until so Sarah can be swayed. Swayed? Yes. Persuaded or swayed? Swayed. Ending the argument through a bit of manipulation, Linda swindled Sarah into doing the story since the writer's club doesn't start till Tuesday, so she can still do this article that she needed her to do today. Sarah will do it, but lets Linda know that she's realised that she's coerced her. 
Colin has also been, for some reason, dressed as an alien turtle throughout the entirety of this episode. I assumed it was like a cockroach. But he's got two little tiny um, astronauts next to him who kind of follow him around. Yeah. It's quite confusing. Whoever knows what the hell's Colin's... Whoever <laughs> knows what the hell Colin is up to. It's very rare, I suppose. And so Linda gets Sam also to write a bitchy piece on the new Writers Club while Sarah... And they say that while Sarah is gone for now, uh, Linda says that it won't be for long. All right. Episode 10. In Pitch Black, there is a person calling out in the darkness for help and if anybody can hear her. Back at the newsroom, I'm just going to um, split these two in terms of what happens in the newsroom and what happens with Spike separately. Yeah, I think do them separately because it's easier. So in the newsroom, we see uh, everyone is buzzing about uh, on the news of a recent explosion from a potential gas leak that was nearby in Sherrington. And hopping onto the story won't be easy with police and services still operating around the active site where people might be dead or injured. Linda keeps asking where Spike is since his chair is still empty and continues getting everyone moving since it's a great news opportunity. And Sam finds it inhumane for Linda to seize this with such veracity about this story that is about dead and hurt people and it should be given more zap. She keeps the phone line free and orders others to commandeer a nearby phone book so they can uh, keep it uh, for incoming calls only. Once Sam calls Linda out on her cold behaviour, Kennedy... Kenny reveals to her the reason that he knows Linda is acting the way that she is. She ultimately suspects that Spike was near the building and potentially hurt in the explosion. Later, this is confirmed by another press gang member who says that he was picking up a video cassette for her at that record store. Where it exploded. Sam gives Linda a moment to let her know about a crying corner she has where people can only see your back and your tears go unseen. Danny was with Sophie when she was trying to get a better vantage point uh, with his camera to try and get on top of a residential building on roof. But when trying to get in, Sophie was pulled away by a teacher since her mother was looking for her and hearing that her brother was among those injured in the explosion. And with Sophie out of action, Sarah steps in because she wants to do something and joins Danny at the top of the building to reflect on how small death can be as he clicks away many pictures through the cage. That from this angle, high above the tiny ant-like people. All the while, Spike, uh, from the beginning of the episode uh, after the Pitch Black introduction, uh, he awoke from a dreamlike state where he was waiting at the record company when the explosion occurred, and dazed he hears the calls from an unseen victim who was calling out um, at the beginning. At first he tries to get her out uh, and move the rocks, but realising it's a futile attempt and that actually he could only hear her because of a long-running pipe and acoustics travelling the sound through, he realises that he cannot do anything to help her, but she begs him to just continue talking because at least then she doesn't feel so alone. Soon they realise they're from the same school, they just haven't quite met but seen each other in the halls. Eventually, as the workers outside get closer and closer to Spike, he calls out to only silence, when the girl could no longer be heard and she has bled out. A couple of days later, Linda sees Spike out of the hospital with uh, his injuries of a broken foot or something. Not quite sure exactly what it was. Don't really need to know. He has a cast on and a cane. Got to have a cane. He's actually been refusing guests for two days to reflect on what's happened to him and what he was exposed to and the death that he was so close and the last words of a girl that he'd never spoken to before. They let each other know the L word to each other as a compromise and actually use an anagram to get each other one step closer to actually saying it to one another. Mm-hmm. That's the episodes. That's the episodes. Yeah. So I gave you kind of like 
the polar opposites yeah. of, of the kinds of episodes you get on this show. Similar to, I guess, how I've done with You're the Worst in the past, where sometimes they'll have an episode that's about a bit more of a heavier context. Yeah. And then an episode that's just kind of light and fluffy. and But it's got, like, some, as you said earlier, some... I mean, Go to Hell is pretty aggressive for 89. She also calls her a bitch. She does call her a bitch. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> In that interview, like, you know, seclusion, she really goes out on her. And I, yeah. it was so frustrating to see her, like, collude with Kenny so much. Because I like Kenny. It's like, give me this many yeah. minutes. I've got this many. No, call the taxi. I, she, I've got her. I've almost got her. Just give me another minute. It's all right. I'm just like, gosh, Linda, you're, you're so hard to be likable. <laughs> I know. You like her so much, though, don't you? She's so interesting because while I'm watching that, I'm like, I get it. She is like... She's driven. She is completely unapologetic about how driven she is and she will do whatever it takes and she will manipulate anybody that she needs to mm. do to get it. But I don't know. I just like her so much. <laughs> it. The only thing that I, I have a problem with when I watch these episodes is that Sometimes I get a bit distracted by the supporting cast because there's just so many of them, mm-hmm. but I shouldn't really because there's other ensemble casts where it's a lot easier. I think it's just in terms of we're used to uh, today costume and hair and makeup and, and people are very clearly... Delineated? Yes. And here, oh my gosh, it's it's definitely feeling some some feedback from the eighties and that hair, my gosh, and the it's 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 a look, it's it's a fun old opening that goes on for longer than I expected. Mm. But um, oh, I I remember the last time that I uh, had this, I had so much trouble remembering people's names and like this mm-hmm. blonde one or that blonde one. It was a bit easier this time around. Yeah, I I don't. I don't, you don't have a problem. know why that's such a problem for I you. I think it's a problem for me specifically, not like even necessarily a time bracket thing. It probably happens in other shows as well. Yeah, you generally have a bit of a more bit more trouble remembering characters. I just feel like they're also just like they're all pretty distinctive in their characteristics. Mm. You know, you've got visually Sam, it's just a bit more difficult. You've for got me. Sam who's very clearly the bitchy one. Yes. And you've got, you know, the other blonde one is like Tiddler, who's obviously like five years longer younger than the She was the one who found uh, the musician, wasn't she? Did she find the musician? And she was like, I want to do the story, I want to do the story. But Kenny's like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. Because he was like, wait, hang on. That journalist, he threw a journalist down the stairs. That's right. That's right. Yes. So, yeah, I feel like everyone is very quite specific in this show. Mm. So I've never really felt a problem knowing who people are. But I do obviously have a bit more history with the show and have watched it. I guess if I was introduced to them in a certain way, it probably would be a bit easier. But like you said, you did find it easier this time. And I think... There, I think we do focus in more on certain characters this time around. Yes. Um, uh, I kind of enjoyed not having to deal with Colin too much. Yes, me too. <laughs> Is he someone you don't like in the show? I understand why he's there, but I just think he belongs in a different TV show. No, he belongs in this show. He's just, he belongs in the more comedic sh- yeah. episodes. Yeah. I don't necessarily like him as a character because I feel like they don't progress him as much as they do other characters. They might have an episode where they progress him a bit, but then he sort of reverts back. Yeah. He's very much uh, like a character. I can imagine having that cyclic reset character arc storyline. He kind of learns to think about something other than money or something a bit deeper than himself or personal gain. And then he's back to it three episodes. Yeah. Yeah. He is a bit like that. So I don't like Colin very much and I'm okay that he's not in these episodes very much. He's not in the second episode at all. No, no, I didn't. I don't remember seeing him at all. Uh, I think he might've been in the one little section because they would have gone into his office to listen to the radio, but that's it. Oh, yes, and that would have been uh, with Benny, the computer guy? Ben. Ben. 
uh, who had like the police scanner on standby. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So generally let's, do you want to talk about them separately, the two episodes, or would you like to talk about the overall, how you feel about I think about we should talk about them separately because okay. they deal with two very different They're very messages different. and tones. They're very, very different um, Also, Sarah was just at the newspaper in the next episode. So, so this what, is an airing structure problem. No. Or? So what you missed was there's actually, what they do for the first couple of seasons is do these little voiceovers over the credits. I, I listened to that and they were like, we, yeah, I really like that those are cute. Yeah. Um, and so she's, uh, Linda and uh, Sarah are talking over the phone. Oh, yeah, we didn't really find out what Colin's costume was all about. What else did they say? Did she say she's coming back in? Yeah, she was literally like, um, Linda said something along the lines of, so I'll see you on Monday. I'm 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 so sorry about your name being put on that article. Oh yes, when it says goodbye, Sarah Jackson. Well, the article by yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and then and then Sarah's like yeah I'm sure you're really sorry and then they say and then she says are you still going to your writing class and she said well I guess I'm not now and then she says I'll, I think she does say I'll see I'll you see when, yeah I'm sure that's what happened in that section. I think I just got distracted uh, literally after the line of trying to figure out what that cockroach space thing was and thinking about the astronauts too much. <laughs> yeah. No, so that so that little over the over the titles. And the the, the purposely bitchy um article that um she got Sam to write. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think it even if you don't have the bit over the credits, it's pretty obvious that she's not gonna be able to attend that writing class after they write that article yeah. Yeah, in her name. It's just horrible. And so this episode made me think Really hard about like I'm just like gosh I just don't like Linda, and I, I I get why she's an interesting character. And on one scale, I think it would be more interesting to kind of like she reminds me a lot of Paris Geller in yeah. terms of yeah. uh, the Gilmore Girls, uh, and and I do find it interesting when you don't glamorize ambition and drive into this being an amazing person who's so driven and they're always studying and being really hard. That also means they're not socializing that much. They don't have much experience with socializing with other people, so they often don't they don't find themselves as empathetic towards other people. Mm. And I do think it's a very interesting, interp- not interpretation, I think it's quite accurate, actually, of, of people who are quite driven and ambitious and what them being in high school is like and like almost trying to be much older than they are. Mm. And that's why I give the show a bit more of a pass on the, some of the dialogue that they, these kids are all saying and how they're, you know, buzzing about the news office and calling it a newsroom. And I'm like, I know it kind of is a newsroom, but, I mean. It is their newsroom. Yeah. It's their newsroom. Yeah, yeah, even though it's a student paper, it's still a paper. Totally. And they take it very fucking seriously, Mm. mostly because of Linda. Yeah. Which I think is where I like, where I come to like Linda. I I enjoy Linda because I find her characterization very interesting because it's not very often we get to see a 16-year-old girl with such drive and ambition who doesn't care about other people's feelings. Mm. We see that a lot in male characters. We don't often see it in female characters, and I appreciate that. And as soon as we do, they're called a vampire. Exactly. Exactly. But she owns it. She was like, yeah, I kind of like vampire. Like, I like vampire. You can call me that. <laughs> so, you know, I, I love – I am interested in her character, but I also find myself liking her in some ways because – what she is doing is trying to create the best paper that she can. Mm. And I think I really appreciate that level of, you know, you know, she looks at Sarah and she goes like, A, this paper is good for Sarah. You know, this is, this is a good opportunity. It's helped her come, it's out, helped of her, her come out of her shell. shell. And, and the paper is good with Sarah. So she's like, I can't see an upside to Sarah going to this other class. It's good for her. It's good for the paper for her to stay. Why would she go? Mm. So I think she's narrow minded for sure, but she's not actually being malicious towards Sarah. 
She's being manipulative, but she's not being malicious. She, she does yell at her, like, literally, tell me what your writing class can do for your writing this paper can't. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Probably could, if it was fictional writing, it could be very different. Well, but... Improving writing is improving writing, I improving suppose. Improving writing is, and, 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 you know, back then especially, journalism was a more realistic career path than being a fictional author. So... And even looked on with, um, you know... This is admirable. Yeah, well, hmm, depends what kind of journalist. It was a respected, respected position. Respected profession. Yes. And and so, again, I feel like Linda is going like, wait, why would you want to be a fiction author when this is actually a job that you can have? Mm. She's just very, like I said, she's very narrow-minded. It takes a while for her to see things in anyone else's perspective, if she does. Exactly. So... That's what I find interesting about her. She's very rarely wants to cause harm. She never wants to cause harm to people. Mm. That's not what she thinks. But she does need to get out of her own headspace, and that's what Sarah does for her, and that's what Kenny does for her, and that's what Spike does for her. That's, Mm. I mean, Kenny in particular, you don't see it that much in these episodes, but little bits and pieces, he is sort of her conscience. Yeah, I kind of get that. Um, I got that tone from him. I think I remember getting that tone from him more last time round? I think so. But this, because I knew that and uh, from the previous episode, but also I think, like, he knew something was wrong in the next episode. Mm. He knew something was wrong and he knew that Linda was acting a different way for a different reason, not yes. just for the story. So I do see the fact that he understands her and he gets her and he does support her. It's just in the first episode that we're talking about here, episode nine, he seems like just an enabler. Well, he's a little <laughs> bit of that too. Because it works good for the paper. But also, I think he's of a similar mind. He's going, no, Sarah is good for this paper and the paper is good for Sarah. I think he sort of agrees. And technically, at the beginning of the episode, he was forcing her to stay home. Yes. To take a day off. Yes. Because the paper is not her life. Exactly. But it is her life. It's totally her life. <laughs> so I think... And and if Kenny did disagree, if he was like, no, he he would of course Sarah should go and secluded moment away from everyone else to talk to her about it privately. Exactly, exactly. But he knows everybody else thinks that this is not a good idea for Sarah to leave the paper, and you know she's the only one that wants to go. And I understand that she wants to go. I am also on Sarah's side. Mm. Don't let Linda bully you into staying. Absolutely not. If you want to go fucking do a writing course, go to a writing course. Oh yeah, have some backbone. And she does. So I actually agree with both sides of this argument because I understand where all characters are coming from, and that is the strength of a good script. However, (laughs) I got 110% why I thought you gave me this episode Mm -hmm. as soon as, like, Linda was really bringing out the origins of her and Sarah. Mm Mm-hmm. The the paper the the show starts with the paper and Spike being being a, a factor of the show like a transfer student or something like that kicked out of a previous school. Uh, yes, so the, the show pa- the show starts with the paper has just been started. Okay, so we we don't see the origins origins of it. It's basically like their first week in the newsroom. Right, they've already hit the ground running. That kind of and thing. Sarah's already been part of the and writing Sarah's system. already yep. already involved. And uh, do we get a little bit of that whole editor backstory in terms of her also going in for it? Or is that no, this is new information? This, is, that this is new information. We don't actually get their full backstory until season four or wow. five, which is Sarah's last episode. Oh, they do yeah, a bit of a flashback yeah. to how they actually met. They don't actually have that long, that long of a history before the paper. Mm. Which is why I appreciate that they're saying that they never actually say the amount of time. She just says it's been 2,000 years or whatever because it, 
you know, the six months or whatever that they knew each other before the newspaper already feels like a thousand years of being Linda's friend. I mean, being Linda's friend, I could imagine, wouldn't be easy. No, but, of course not. But I look, I did like the interactions between them, but the thing that undercut it all for me, that this, this, this moment of the alluding to what their friendship was and how their friendship is and how it's not the same because she's her boss, she's her editor and she, mm. and she's, you know, but she believes in her as a writer, is you jealousy? Is this what your motivations are? I'm sorry. I was offended. You know, I thought this, I just, she's saying all of it to manipulate her. It doesn't feel like a genuine connection between two friends. I think I totally get that. Because that's literally how they frame it. But not just once. Not just twice, three times. Yes. She goes out to Kenny talking about taxi, waiting for how long she's going to shut down this case yes. of like someone genuinely trying to do something else and playing on her emotions. And like, I get the manipulation thing. I find that interesting. I just, it just meant that any like emotional connection was, it felt empty. It felt hollow on Linda's side. I think, I think I get that until you remember that as Sarah's leaving, she knows she's been manipulated mm. and she goes and does it anyway. I do like that she's like... And that like, sort of establishes that this is how their friendship goes. That's not cool. <laughs> no, but it, it is a kind of friendship that people yeah. have. Yeah. You know, it's... it's. There are certain people who have more power in a friendship, just like in a relationship totally. or any sort of... Yeah, Absolutely. it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship for someone to have more power of the other person to have influence over them. Absolutely. And Sarah oh. leaves and she knows she's been manipulated and she's like, yeah, okay, that happened and I let it happen. That's how this... I, You know, that's how things go with Linda and I probably should have known that going in. <laughs> it's just like... It just made me feel... But I guess, like, I, I enjoy the fact that while it seems like Sarah was being easily manipulated, she's like, okay, you manipulated me. I'm, you've convinced me to do the thing that I was not going to, that you wanted me to get me to as soon as I walked in here. Mm. But. But I like, th I like that in that way, in that last moment, it actually gives Sarah back some of that power. Yes, it does. Because she could, because she could have gone, hang on, I've been manipulated. No, wait. Mm. Grr. I'm going to stand on my own two feet. But she realizes, and in that moment, that she's making her own decision to go and do this thing, mm. to go and do, and she's only agreeing to do the story. Yeah, she's not agreeing to stay. She doesn't actually agree to stay. No, she doesn't. She's just like, I'll do the story today. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I do like how she was like, like it was. It got to the end of like, like let, less realism and a little bit more over the top in terms of Tuesday, Tuesday. Oh, well. I thought uh, you couldn't do the story because you obviously were going today, but if you're, if you're free now, I don't quite understand why what's you happening. Why couldn't just do it? I mean, the Writers Club isn't until Tuesday, you say. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, okay. Yeah. Reel it, reel it in a little bit, Lynn. But, but the point is that at that point, Linda knows she's got it. Yeah. She knows that she'll do the story. She's like, oh, I just need to kind of bring it home with a little bit of overacting and Sarah will go do it. But Sarah leaves that situation with power. Mm. And I like that. And I think it shows that this, this relationship, they're not... This isn't one of those moments where I'm like, oh, I just love girls who like really support each other through everything. That's not this relationship. And yeah. I think that's kind of okay to show a different kind of friendship, a more professional level of friendship where it's actually not about them being friends. It's about or them, equals or equals. It's about them doing what's best for the paper and then sort of having a bit of a power play. It was a bit of a power play, wasn't it? And that's it? okay. 
and and that teaches Sarah something about herself and that teaches Linda something about herself mm. every time they interact like this every time they have this moment you know they're always trying to suss each other out and figure out a way to make the relationship work for them in a way that like isn't actually like they're not going for the throat they're not actually hurting each other yeah they're not going for you're fat you're ugly you're blah 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 or any of that kind of traditional girl fight bitchy stuff it's always on a very like professional or personal level of this is you as a friend doing this thing to me that i don't understand or I don't understand why you would damage your career in this way, mm-hmm. you know? However, while that was an interesting part of the scene, although half of it I was conflicted, mm. I did enjoy it. Mm. However, the other half, oh my gosh, Spike and Fraz and the little shenanigans and calling in the news, I just, this is just all a bit ridiculous, wasn't it? It's a, it does get a little bit kind of... Um, you know, Creepy. like it's a bit farcical, and yeah. it's all you know. And I, I, I didn't mind that, and I thought it was kind of entertaining. It just that just definitely wasn't for me. I think it's kind of just kind of the the, the plot half of the episode yeah. is less interesting than the character half of the episode, which yeah. is common in this show. Because, but that's the point. The plot is just there as a vehicle to drive your character development, and mm. that's okay. Mm. I think that's okay. Yeah, I mean, like, because, you know, ultimately the episode didn't, like, show us the heartwarming story or, like, what this, like, intense opportunity gave Sarah or, you know, the inner workings of Jason, whatever his name is, whatever the musician celebrity didn't matter. is. Jason no. Wood, it wasn't, it wasn't about him. Yeah, no, so because, because that wasn't a key part of the ending then, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give you that in this case. I just, I do get frustrated sometimes when plot is purely a vehicle. I, I like them to serve each other, but I guess the vehicle yeah. is is ultimately serving the character exploration I here. I, I do agree with you. Plot should never be purely a vehicle for the character development. And and I think that the plot in this is pretty light. Mm. And and I and I'm okay with it. I'm just okay with it in this situation because A um it's a kid show. <laughs> yes, you got to give some comedy some some levity yeah. because apparently you don't in the next episode. And it makes sense. Like it's not like it doesn't make sense, no. you know. It's a little bit unbelievable that a station master would allow himself to be manipulated by kids into I'll, I'll just put on some headphones and not actually do my job during this next announcement. Yeah, but I mean but there wasn't due for an announcement. I guess Fraz just made the announcement. Yeah. I just assumed that like every train announcer would announce as one was arriving. This is arriving a certain time. So uh, that, that didn't seem to be what they were doing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was it was kind of light and fluffy enough and it was inoffensive enough that it didn't bother me. I wasn't particularly interested in it, but I was fine with it. Mm. You know, the characters are usually charming enough to carry that light, fluffy oh, stuff. I didn't and... think Spike was charming enough to bull through that lie that him and Fraz just weren't on the same page about to try and get that news reporter away from them. That was just horrible. She's like, oh, so this, oh, so they're both in on it. Oh, look, we don't really know. Just, 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 just go, just go, just go. And I'm just like. I don't actually know. What do you mean? There was a news reporter who was uh, there and they were getting her. Oh, Chrissy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That part was rubbish. But yeah. (laughs) But again, it's like a five second scene. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, It it reminded me how heavy. Is it Jersey accent that he's got going on? No, it's very um, generically American. It doesn't belong It doesn't anywhere. even have a particular Because he's not region. American. Yeah, yeah. He's not American. He's very English. <laughs> it's just, oh. Anyway. 
But he delivers it with, you know, Gusto. confidence. Gusto, yes, yes. Uh, mm. Yeah. Lanky confidence, but confidence nonetheless. I love him. I love him so much. I don't understand why. But... I don't understand why either. Because <laughs> he's a dirtbag and I love him. Is there anything else you'd like to say about this episode before we move on to the next one? Um, I, I just wanted to say that this show does have some really broadly comedic episodes that I don't like, mm-hmm. where... They just go completely over the top and and it's all misunderstandings and doors and things and blah, blah, blah. It's basically an episode of Faulty Towers. Mm-hmm. I don't like those very much. This is, I think, a really good level of there's some fun comic moments in there. There's some fun character stuff. It's It's entertaining enough to keep you going, but it's not like tear your heart out. This isn't funny. You're trying so hard to be funny or like... Forcing the funny. Yeah, I think it's I think it's light enough that even when the jokes don't land, it's still like, huh, oh yeah, I see what they're doing there. I I think this is maybe Colin at his funniest when he's not doing jokes, when he's just in a ridiculous yeah. outfit. I did like that. I think that was low-key funny. It's and that the was, right level of Colin. <laughs> it was it was, it was <laughs> uh we're not saying that we don't want you on screen at any time, but however, him being a bit of an enigma and speaking like he would have moments he would say certain lines and be yeah. like what this could do for the marketing or what this could do for this and it would increase our revenue but him just having like whatever he was wearing not even knowing why yeah that was entertaining yeah and that wasn't in your face it, like it was very in your face but it wasn't beating you over the head with it and constantly being you know, exactly. part of the scene or a five minute long scene he was just in and out or someone walked past him and he's just got a little tiny little it seemed like a like a a, a, like a younger grader or someone was in like a little astronaut suit, like grabbing his hand. It was very confusing. Who knows? Not, but the point is, it's not important. No, it's just there's it a fun, a fun little note in the scene. It's character appropriate. It doesn't pull you out of the situation. You know who Colin is. You know that this is going to be a thing. That's right. In the in the voice little uh, phone call, I think Linda said, "I think he was a cockroach." Oh, does she? I think I think that's because I think you said cockroach and I was like alien turtle. And I think Linda says, I think he was a cockroach. I didn't actually, I wasn't paying attention to that. I was listening to this, her, the conversation with her and Sarah, the bit that you don't remember. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Clearly I was focused on the right things. So yeah, my, my only point about this is I think that this is the right level of a fun comedic episode of Press Gang mm-hmm. with some good character beats, but it's it's a very standard episode. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it felt a lot like this is something they would do. On a similar loop. Yeah. 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 Which yeah. is why I picked it. I wanted you to see what a standard episode kind of looks like before I gave you... A heart wrencher? A heart wrencher. <laughs> or, or, or more like a as kind of... This um, is the one one time, one or two times a season heavy issue episode. Where they deal with death generally. Death. Often death. Sometimes child abuse. Sometimes, suicide last time. Yes, last time it was suicide. They do they do paint sniffing. Oh, that's right. They do heroin abuse. Gosh. They do child sexual assault. Jeez. All right. So, <laughs> death. Let's keep it light, shall we? Um, the first thing that just jarred me, and I, this this might be a bit nitpicky, she sounded like an old lady. She did have a weird accent. I like. I do like the fact that we didn't. It was hard to pick who this person was. For the longest time, I was thinking it was a cleaner. There was no one mm. in the building or something else like that. Or it was an old lady who had a gas leg. And I was like, oh, it's an old lady. And it's just going to kind of talk I about frivolity or like whatever. But it just didn't sound like a fifth grader or fifth grade. 12th. I don't know what grade these people are in. They're in like 10th. I don't know how UK schools work. Or whatever. Work. Um, 
I think that I kind of agree at the beginning of the episode. I was like, she does sound older than she's meant to. Mm. I don't think she sounds like an old lady. I think it's just that her voice is shaky because yeah. she's... She's literally underneath rubble. Yes, and, and is bleeding out. So I think that she has a bit of a weird accent mm. and she has a bit of a wavery voice. And I think you're right. It, it wasn't the best voice casting they could have done. For someone who is literally only on screen is always off screen. Yeah. Yeah. But I did really like that aspect. I really liked the aspect that we never saw her even after um, we knew that she died. Mm. I think that was a really powerful element of it because if you can feel for a character when you never even see them, um, that is some pretty decent writing. Um, Sure. Like some of the things that she was saying were a bit cliche for a character dying or bleeding out and like wanting to not be alone. But in that situation, you would probably say those kind of things that are a little bit cliche and you're not wanting to die alone. And they weren't like over the top. No, they they weren't over the top. They were a little cliche, but they weren't over the top level of yeah yeah you would want to say those things you, you allow certain um certain cliches uh and predictable like i don't know dialogue. if you can call it a cliche because it doesn't like, happen all the time you know how many times have you watched somebody be under rubble like i mean i watched a lot of um like paramedic shows and um like fire rescue shows and things yeah, like that and I it mean, happens almost like every other episode sometimes with those. i don't know i feel like it's not so much cliche as it is like therefore it's 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 probably what someone maybe a trope for a reason because it's quite yeah. realistic. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I um I did like the fact that um she was a person that he'd even recognised in the street or recognised in the halls before. Mm. I mean, like I allow his the way that he talks about women when it's like a comedic aspect of trying to like keep someone alive. But it was like, oh, those hips, I would have taken those hips. And it was just like, these are the things that you just shouldn't say, man. He, look, his, he always says these kinds of things. It though. would not hold up today. And the thing you is, you could not say the things that Spike says in a kid's show or in any show today. I fully admit that. And at the beginning of his uh, dream sequence, before he realizes that he's been in an explosion, he's hitting on another girl and he's dating Linda. Yeah. Is he doing that just for the thrill of it or he's legitimately just seeing if he can get something better? I actually was a little confused by that. I thought that perhaps if it were part of a story, I thought that he was there as part of a story and that he was working on and that therefore he was trying to get information, but that wasn't what was happening. So I was a little bit confused. I think it's just that generally... He likes to see what he can accomplish, what he can do, what he can pull. Exactly. It's, it's not great, but he's just so charming. He's just not. (laughs) He's charming to you and in a nostalgic point of where you're exposed to it, I think. Possibly. He's not charming. He is so charming. Look, I haven't been introduced to him the way you were. God bless him. I I love him. I really have not really been on Spike's side ever in the show. I just love the thing is how obvious they how clear they are that all of his humor is a defense mechanism. Um but that's not obvious to me yet, you know? They literally say it in this episode. Oh, they do. Yeah, well he he actually yeah, he does say that. But I mean, I, I thought he was just, you know, being saying whatever he says to just try and keep her alive and But that's, that's it's annoying. the point is that it, he's so perfectly positioned to do that because that's part of his personality yeah, regularly true, true, is that he true. does he's constantly joking and 
and talking and joking and talking because he's always trying to like fill the space to avoid his own existential dread. Not so much existential dread, but he's always trying to, you know, make light of dark situations because he doesn't know what else to do. And that's what makes him a great antidote to Linda. And that's why they work so well together is because he is always jokey, 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 jokey. And she's always like, shut up and just kiss me. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. Um, I loved the constant alluding to the chair, the empty chair. That's where we saw the title credits mm. and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I think that was that was good because it, it, it helped me get there before they told me. Yes. Which is not always what happens with me. Sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't. Jane's a bit more clued into these sorts of things. <laughs> sometimes Kurt gets left with the fairies and is actually absorbed into the world and doesn't predict what's going to happen. Yes. Uh, I did see it coming this time around, but they helped me. I mean, it was... They, they were... Pretty obvious. They're pretty hinting it. at it quite heavily. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the thing is that I was jarred uh, by the experience that Spike had with the um, disembodied voice because of that opening mm-hmm. of how he was flirting with someone else when he's dating Linda. I mean, it was a dream. It was literally a dream. Yeah, but I'm assuming it's his most recent memory that he was trying to recollect. I don't actually know because that that's that the case. Because he kept wiping yeah, yeah, off the dust. Yeah, yeah, because it was, yeah, he kept wiping off the rubble. And nobody else the, would the talk to him. And the thing that was confusing was that it looked like it was a club, not a record store. I totally agree. I also agree with that. I was like, is this meant to be the record store or is it, is he just imagining himself in a totally different environment? Uh, his brain is not uh, currently able to deal with the situations happening right now. Exactly. Does is he just kind of you know the last he's, thing he remembers is that he was listening to music, so he's imagined himself in a club and nobody else will talk to him because nobody else is actually there. I'm trying. I think they're trying to be a little bit more artistic there. Yeah, I think it and was. I don't think it really. It didn't. Off. It didn't work. Yeah. It didn't work because it it seemed like a memory, and then I think after that he talked about oh I thought you were in my head or I don't know, and it just it just wasn't clear. Yeah. But um. It just jarred me because I was like, I still don't like Spike. Oh, no, I'm going to like just like Spike because he's trying so hard to save someone. Yeah. Like anyone hopefully would do in that kind of situation. So I'm not necessarily giving him points for that. Mm. But what I do give him points for is needing space. Yeah. Because Spike's not normally the person who would need space. Mm-hmm. He's normally the person who would just kind of want to gung-ho, move on, not deal with it, or deal with it by doing something stupid. Mm. I imagine. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> he's, pretty, he's pretty predictable in that context in terms of what his character is meant to be. I love it. You don't always know what he's going to do that's unpredictable. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, I think I. you're right. Perhaps knowing and enjoying this episode requires you to know and enjoy Spike already. It's, to me, I find it absolutely devastating when they when they are listening on the radio and they say he stopped talking. Yeah. No, and no, they find that was him amazing. And he just looks up and he's just like completely devastated and he doesn't even have words anymore. He does. He says, um, shame, shame you came late guys. You missed a great girl. Oh yeah. But you know, I that's mean, the only thing he could say. You know, he's not, he's not talking his mouth off. He's no. not, you know, quipping with the paramedics anymore. He's just, he's just completely broken. Like that was his last joke almost. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all he had left in him. That was the last bit of comedy he could squeeze out. And it's like, I don't have anything else to say now. Yeah. I'm not going to talk to anyone for a couple of days. Exactly. Yeah. Like he didn't even invite Linda over. No. She made a fuss at the thing. He didn't want to see anyone. And he's walking outside on a cane with a cane and cast. Yeah. And she's like, hey, hey, hey. I like, I really enjoy that final scene with them because it kind of shows how immature their relationship is at this point. Mm -hmm. Because Linda, who is not known for being, um, emotionally intelligent 
is quite kind of, she doesn't really ask him how he is. She doesn't really want to give him the opportunity to talk about it. She's sort of like, she kind of goes like, hi, how are you feeling? I was here. I made a fuss to see you. And then, you know, out of nowhere, even though it's not relevant at all to what they're talking about, don't forget, I L you or I vol you. Like she's still, she has no idea how to deal with the situation and she's trying to like bring it back to herself or to their relationship. And it's not what this moment is about. It's no. really should be about Spike and how he is and how he's coping. And she does not know how to do that. But because she doesn't know how to do that, at least she's like, I don't know how to like get you to open up or talk about what you really want to talk about and help you out. Cause I don't really know if this is the time for me to do that. Or that's like part of my social interaction with generally people. Yeah. But I L word you. Yeah. It's like, you know when you're in a situation where a friend has completely broken down, but you don't know them too well? Yeah. And you're like, I don't know what to say. Yeah, but that's not them. That's not the, the situation. Like, but I, they but her, her reaction, yeah, exactly. But her reaction is yeah. like of telling of someone who doesn't actually know the person. Exactly. So that's what I like. I like that it shows that she's not very emotionally intelligent in this situation, that perhaps their relationship isn't that strong in this moment because she can't tell what he needs. And what he really needs is just probably like a fucking hug. Yeah. Like she doesn't really hug him. No. You know? So I, th- I find that really interesting. And perhaps I find that really interesting because I know what happens in the next episode. Um, <laughs> but th- like that's one thing that I think this show does really well is it's it shows relationships and where their weaknesses lie mm. quite openly, you know? they These characters are kids. And they are not perfect. They are all flawed in various ways. They're still figuring out who they are. They're still figuring out who they are. And this show doesn't shy away from that and just go like, well, these guys are in love and therefore it's always going to work out for them. Mm. That's not it. It's messy and it's a little bit ugly. And And sometimes it's maybe portraying a relationship in a more real and honest way than most older couple relationships and other TV shows. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I quite like that. Even though I love Spike and Linda together, I find this scene really telling and really interesting and really realistic in a way that still lives in this kind of hyper real world. Oh yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Like it's not divorced from that. Mm. Um, so, uh, why did you, I, I guess I know why you picked these episodes, but I guess another element of a reason why you liked this episode in particular, I think would have also been, um, the interaction that, uh, Linda has with Sam. Yeah. I mean, it's not a big reason. I'd sort of forgotten about it, to be oh, honest, yeah. until I rewatched it. It's a, it's a, it's actually a really nice moment. I actually connected with that moment more than I connected with the moment between um, Linda and Sarah in the previous episode because of just the, um, the ulterior motives. Mm. That was just so blindingly obvious. I do like that we see that they, I mean, they, they do have a very contentious relationship generally. So yes. I like that that sort of keeps playing through until... Sam finally gets a talking to by Kenny, who's like, excuse me, don't have a go at Linda right now. It's just not the time. And then they, they offer that little crying corner moment. I, li- I do I liked, think it's really sweet. I liked her standing up against Linda. Yes. Because I get the idea that people don't stand up to Linda very often. Absolutely. If it is, they're drawing a line in the sand and she might threaten to fire you. Absolutely. She was probably not far from it with Sam in that moment. But I really appreciate that she was standing for a moment in terms of what everyone else was Mm. probably feeling at this point of time and trying to do what she thinks is best for the paper because while it's an opportunity, yes, 
we need to be human. Yes, totally. Which uh, yeah. is something that I imagine Linda struggles with. Absolutely. That's why she needs her Kennys and her Sarahs and her Spikes and her Sams because she not only because those people will sort of pander to her, except for Spike sometimes, she also needs somebody who will just say, stop. No. No, <laughs> I will not. Yeah. And I like that dynamic with her and Sam. And Sam was only in the show for a season, I think. She actually goes after this one and they kind of have to bring in somebody who plays a similar role. Oh, yeah. You need you need someone who's bitchy and to do the gossip column and can write those sort of stories. Yes. Well, and also to be that kind of, I'm going to say what I want to say. In front of Linda. To Linda. Yeah. Because you need somebody sometimes to call her on her bullshit. So I like, and I like that we also show that she's also human and she's not just there to be... Linda's foil. She's also yep. there. She understands. She is emotionally intelligent to know in the moment what Linda needs. Linda is not emotionally intelligent <laughs> enough to know what anybody ever needs in any moment because I think she's a little bit on the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. A little random side note. I think there's an Aboriginal flag on the wall in the office. It kept drawing my eye and I can't figure out why it's there. I didn't notice it. So I might go home and try and send you a screen cap of it because <laughs> it's so bizarre and I can't, I don't know, there's no reason why it would be there. It's England. Yeah, I don't think they have NAIDOC week in England. I don't think they have NAIDOC week in England <laughs> as much as I'd love them to. It's very, very, very strange. It kept drawing my attention, unfortunately. <laughs> I kept being like, this is a really interesting scene, but why is that there? Okay, so give me a little bit more um, a reasoning behind why you chose these two episodes. So I chose these two episodes largely because they give you the the spectrum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they, they come after each other, so they make sense, but also you see the light, the funny, with still good character emotional beats, and then the darker, also with good character emotional beats. And I think that both episodes show the complexity of the relationships, and that's what I really like about mm. this show. Even though it's a kid's show and these char- like the characters are complex, but more interestingly, their relationships are really freaking complex. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that most of the relationships centre around Linda. <laughs> and it's like, how do we – how does you – how do you solve a problem like Linda? Yeah, How yeah. do you have relationships with Linda when everything is a power play and everything is a power struggle and and there are people who care about her and she cares about people, but that, that doesn't look like it does in most loving relationships. Mm. Not only that, but there's also, you know, relationships between, you know, Fraz and Spike are friends. Yeah, what's Fraz's deal? Fraz, I don't remember Fraz too much from the previous. He um, probably he's he's always kind of a bit player, but he's yeah. he's basically another one of those kids that was sent here as a punishment. Yeah, got it. He and off- so that's why him and Spike are a bit more. Um, yeah, they hanging out and- they were sort of you know co-conspirators in in crime. Yes, early on, and he's he's you know not terribly intelligent, but he is one of those people that does have a bit of a moral compass and will sometimes you know say I don't want to do this, I can't do this, this mm-hmm. is not good. But he's also someone that Linda knows has done things before and could use for certain situations. Yes, yes. She's sort of the like, Fraz, do you want to go break into that building for me? That'd be nice, thank you. Uh, yeah, so that kind of thing. I also enjoy. I mean, there's part of there's a little nostalgia part of me that goes like, fuck, all of this stuff was really hard to do in the '90s. Like all of this investigative reporting where they had to, oh yeah, a, keep like they have to keep the line clear so they'll only have yes. incoming, incoming calls. calls. So all the outgoing calls have to go via the payphone phone, across the, payphone the road. But the they had road. to like you know scheme a rich guy who's laughing about it with his little 
person. Obviously having phone sex with his girlfriend yes. is, the in, is the implication. And, you know... And and they have to like get a TV in somehow, and they've got a police scanner yeah. over there. I'm like, this is so much. You can't just like have a 24 hour news feed of like what's happening on the street. Yeah, or so totally. easily access all this information. And if you're going to be first on the site, you're going to break into a access only residential building and then get to the top of the roof where you'll get better pictures than anyone else. Exactly, exactly. So I think watching not only watching that process of kind of investigative journalism, but also watching how basically children try to work their way around that kind of thing where they don't have the access and they don't have necessarily the skills. They don't have a press badge. I like watching it. I like seeing the actual news part of press gang kind of impact the lives, Mm. you know? I think that that's really interesting. And, you know, we see when a situation like this happens, you know, this girl has to go because her brother's in the hospital and this person, you know, her mum works on that street or whatever and yeah. she's making a call and Linda lets her make the call because she starts to realise that this is a bit more serious than we imagined. And, like, you know, seeing the gravity of this situation kind of slowly hit everybody I think is really interesting. Yeah, because at first there's a lot of people who are kind of with Linda in terms of, I guess they they follow her lead a lot. Yes. But they're like, oh, yeah, a bunch of people could have died, but this is a new story. Yeah. This, this could be big for our paper. This exactly. could be the most important pa- like news story we've done for everyone. Yeah. Like, since this paper started. This is, like, is oh, going to be our big break. People will finally start taking it seriously. I really appreciate that, even though it seemed like a very small role, Sophie didn't even say a single word. Mm. Um, and, you know, you just see her driving away in a car. It's just yeah. like, at that point, there isn't really much to say. Exactly. Um, so I, I kind of like watching the reality sink in and it's kind of like pulls all of these teenagers out of their little teenage world where they're doing what they think is really important by running this paper and going, okay, this is a very serious thing and everyone is going to be impacted and we need to kind of deal with that. And eventually it stops being about the paper at all Mm -hmm. and just starts being about who's alive. Who's still alive, yeah. So I kind of like watching... I, I enjoy that, you know, in the episode before, the stakes are as high as, will Sarah be on the paper? Will we get this story with a celebrity? And in the next episode, the stakes can be... Is Spike going to die? Is Spike alive? <laughs> will he, you know, or will he be emotionally scarred by listening to a girl die? Well, the, the, I'm hoping yes. <laughs> or does he revert back to a reset? Um, This, this of, should affect him for at least yeah, a couple of episodes. I mean, this is kind of the third last episode of the yeah, season. It's, yeah. it's very close to the end. So this is kind of, this affects him for the rest of the season. Okay. So the only thing that, that is, I think, pulling back for me and probably going to have a couple of points against it in terms of my rating for this hmm. ep- these episodes is that while it is interesting seeing kids do this, I, I would have liked to see uh, a little bit more of the how kids do this for it to be believable. In what way? Uh, in, like, where did a kid get a police scanner from? Oh, he's Billy. I don't like, oh, he's Billy. He's a computer whiz. He can get everything. Uh, he- I would have liked to seen, like, them do something or, or, like, go buy something in terms of, like, distract them with a certain other situation so they could get a police scanner. I think a lot of this stuff... Happens previously. ...is all kind of comes, yeah, from previous episodes. Right, okay. I mean, you don't necessarily, like, not in the terms of, you know... 
um, not in terms of, you know, we've seen them steal the police scanner before. Oh, yeah, before. no, but you've seen that. But we, we've of... seen Billy's capabilities. We know what he's capable of. Yeah. He's very capable of tuning a radio into the police scanner frequency. That's not a problem. We've seen them, like, that phone line that they have, they're not supposed to have that. That's not being paid for by the paper that funds them. They had to, like, they've hacked a, a phone line <laughs> to have that phone in the, in the yeah. newsroom. I imagine it's the same for the TV that they bring in. I'm like, I wonder where they hacked that TV signal from because I guarantee you this building does not have one. Right. So we've, a lot of that is kind of contextual. We, we, and, and throughout the series, you, you see moments of that. Yes. Because, I mean, even though it was uh, a throwaway line, it's like, oh, how are we going to get into this access-only thing? That's what I mean. I like that they kind of run up against things where they go, shit, we're not real journalists. We can't even get into a building. But I just would have liked to have seen, even though it's an off-screen thing that's not essential, because of their age... I would have liked to just seen, oh, you know, they're just, you know, kind of chilling by the bushes and then, you know, pizza guy or whatever else. And then like run to, to grab it or something else like that, or leave a, a pipe or something to see them get in. For, get into where? So into what? the building. I just would have liked to have seen oh, you how like they, to have seen them got into yeah, the building. Right. Just because of their age and the fact that these are kids trying to do a news, like a big news reporter job. Yeah. And I, and I get what you're saying in terms of the fact that we've seen this in other episodes, but. I, I think we've seen it. And that's, that moment was enough for me to sell to remind us of the fact that these are not real journalists. But it just held me back from that, I think. Okay. I guess real journalists, yeah, wouldn't need to go up into an access building. Well, a real journalist... Would have just gone to the side. Gone to the side, or would have had no qualms in hitting a buzzer and saying, like, hi, oh, yeah. I'm from the actual newspaper. I'd just like to get up onto the roof to have a look. Would you mind? What I did like, though, is when they were thinking about just buzzing someone up and annoying them to get in. Yeah. It's like, which number looks friendly? Yeah. <laughs> that was that was cute. Exactly. That that's was that's cute. the kind of thing that they run up against all the time. And, and yeah, they, they I think that... The moments that we get of them going like, okay, well, we need to have control over that phone booth, so let's get the guy out of there. Let's tell him a lie and say that we're listening on his phone call. I think I personally find that that's yeah, enough. Yeah, no, actually, they actually did do a pretty, pretty, pretty good in other elements of that. So, yes. yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't uh, hold Bye, that against sweetie him. and everyone. <laughs> that, was, that was all right. Yeah. Um, but I, I get what you mean. It's that kind of, you know, behind the scenes, how are they being journalists? It is, it is, would be interesting to see. And that's why we see it a lot in most yeah. episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to rank. Sure. It is quite hard to rank because like, like last time you had a, a very particular episode that pulls certain level, but you say this happens like they do this every season. Like I've said, with at least worst, once, but they do it like at least once or twice. Yes. Sometimes maybe three times yes. in a season. But that's an episode, that's potentially like a 10 to 12 episode? No, so the first two seasons are t 10 episodes, and then every season after that is six. Right, right. So short, so it's still like a, a decent a percentage of... Yeah, of, it's, of it ends episode. up being about a third of, of episodes. And I know we talked about this a little bit with You're the Worst, how I was like, yeah, but it doesn't really fit because they changed like the style and tone of the whole episode. I think within this, the, the style and tone always kind of remains the same. You know, it's always, you know, they're always, you know, being witty characters and the they're always, you know, facing moral dilemmas in almost every episode. The style is definitely the same. Yeah. The tone is, it doesn't change completely. Mm. It doesn't change completely. It definitely changes. It shifts. It shifts, but I think it stays within the world. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. I guess, like, the other characters have a way of bringing, bringing it back yeah. to, to how they live. And I guess, you know, 
this definitely wasn't an episode that you could have just squeezed Colin into. No, exactly. So you don't you don't have him trying to be funny in this episode. You have him in one moment helping with the police scanner because and that's also within character for Colin when he needs to just shut up and do He'll do it. The job, he will just shut up and do the job. Mm. So I totally get it's hard to rank. It's also hard to rank because you have to make certain allowances for it being a kid's show, but we also say that we don't make certain allowances for things being certain kinds of shows and on this, this show. This is better than a, a lot of, like, not kid shows or teen shows. It's, 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 it's very good writing. Yeah. It's just... I'm disconnected from most of the characters. Yeah, I think you should just watch the whole thing. <laughs> it's that simple, Kat. I think, that's the, I I think, think that you just will gotta, solve the problem. You just got to watch all of it. You're just going to have I, to. I do. I am intrigued, just <laughs> like last time. I think it's going to have a very similar opinion uh, yeah. at the end of it. It is interesting. It is intriguing. Gosh, they talk fast. I do enjoy that. It's so great. But I just, I just don't like Linda. I want to. Maybe you'll learn to love her. Maybe <laughs> I you just, just really need to don't like Linda. Beginning. I mean, this is like, I, I, this isn't the same thing, but in terms of Breaking Bad, is a show that people absolutely adored. And I'm not saying that she mm. is, you know, a power hungry drug lord, but I just didn't like the central character. And that was way before he became the villain of the story or the yeah. central character, or that like had so many different developments. It's just, I. I guess like like you have with you're the worst. Yeah. You don't like these people. No. And without the full series, like even though you're the worst is is intentionally trying to do that most of the time. And I think this show is as well. Yeah. I think it's it kind of comes down to the fact that I don't like you're the worst because those characters uh always have good intentions but fuck up or or are mean or are intentionally cruel or something like that and and are always like trying to change but then like not really managing to change and I find that really frustrating um but you find that interesting because you like seeing people struggle and And, try to get better yeah whereas I like Linda because she is just unapologetically ambitious and I like that she you know she does learn bits and pieces of like you know, maybe I shouldn't say the absolute worst person to somebody ever because maybe then they'll kill themselves like we learned last time. <laughs> um, you know, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, she's always going to be ambitious. She's always going to put the paper first above anybody else, including herself. And I like that in a character. I really freaking relate to that as a character in, in a character. And so maybe it's just that my brand of unlikable works better for Linda and your brand of unlikable works better for you're the worst. Mm. But I'd love it if you gave it more of a try. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I do think I should because you're not the first person to have recommended the show to me, actually. Oh, really? No, no. Um, and uh, what I think is quite interesting is uh, the fact that it still holds up pretty well. I think it's, it's, it is amazing. For I mean, an, sh- Spike, some of Spike's stuff does not hold up that well. But, but not as bad as some other shows. Not as bad as some other shows. For and sure some that shows that just in, done in 2000. Yeah, I mean, this is 1989. It does all right. It does pretty good. I'm going to give it two. Okay. I want to give it four. I yeah. really do. But unfortunately, like, this is a this is a personal taste bit of totally. thing. Like, I think a bit of it is not my... Not the kind of show that I would generally watch, yeah. but I it's the kind of show that I respect the writing. I respect the, the themes mm. that it delves into. I respect the way that it deals with the realities of the situation and how kids um, struggle with these emotions. And because they're not we're any close to being adults yet, how something as cruel as a motivation as ambition can affect someone yeah. while they're still developing as a person. Yeah. I, I do like uh, sometimes a bit of a flat 
character arc because it doesn't seem it takes Linda a very long time to change at all if she ever does. And I kind of, and I kind of like that because sometimes you have central characters who don't really change too much, but they affect the supporting characters around them and you Mm. see their development and they don't necessarily have to change too much. Smallville doesn't do that in a good way because this central character Clark Kent is unfortunately a frustrating character of Superman who doesn't change too much and character development around him is more the kind of thing that you see, but it takes so long to happen. In this, I kind of like the way that it delves into it. And the supporting characters around them, because I, I, I kind of, I want to see more of other people, because I kind of get annoyed with Linda sometimes. Yeah. Like, you know, I get it. I, I respect yeah. her as a character. I just don't like her. Right. The, my, my favorite episode of Press Gang is the last episode, because it's basically a defense of why Linda is the way she is and why she's never going to change. I like that. And I fucking love it. It was, makes me so happy. I love her. I love the show. It speaks to the strength of a characterization and the writing of a show. If a character can. And barely change throughout entire show, mm. and that's okay. Would it absolutely kill your I like to watch things in order brain if you watched, if nothing else, just the last episode of this TV show? What I'm going to do is I'm going to call it like a, let's give myself a kind of like a a time period. Sure. Uh, a, 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 what's the word? Deadline? Not a deadline. A deadline. Yeah. Of like if I haven't seen any more press. Time. Yeah, a window. There we go. That's, that's a much nicer way of putting it. Uh, a window of time. If I haven't seen any other press gang or I haven't really started or gotten into it, then I'll watch the last episode okay. to, to kind of get a feel for that. Cause I, this isn't the first time you've talked to me about this. Not, I'm not sure even I haven't. Yeah. I've, it's, I feel so strongly about it, about the last episode of this TV show. And the thing is, I like characters like this. I don't have to like them to like the show. I do respect Linda and her presence in the show. I think she has value and she does amazing things for being in the show and being Mm. who she is. Doesn't mean I have to like her. No, totally. Yeah. And and that doesn't mean that she's always easy to watch. She's not always easy to watch. But not in a spike kind of way. But not in a spike kind of way. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have a problem watching Spike. But. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe from the beginning I can find him charming. I just, oh, that accent is just, oh. I know, but once you lean into it, it's fine. (laughs) Once you kind of go like, it's okay, this is where we are. (laughs) This is what we're watching. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. If, let's say if you haven't watched in the next three months, two months. Two months. In the next two months, you haven't seen any more press gang if it hasn't kind of become a thing that you want to watch i will i would like for you to watch the last episode what i will say though is i what i like about this show is from what i've seen with the four episodes i think it tends to give supporting characters really interesting character arcs and it might not always be about linda or spike or the central characters but the supporting cast is so strong or at least they have moments of strength Mm. where in some episode they might just have one or two lines in another episode's the actions that they do or the actions that the central characters do has an, a different impact on them and they get to stand up and speak out and be seen. Yeah. I really enjoy when supporting characters have really interesting emotional growth and, and character arcs because those are generally the characters I relate to more. I mean, like, TV has a way of generally, doesn't seem to do it with the press gang, but generally giving a generic, blankish, less interesting character as your central um, focus for your yes. audience um, yep. perspective. And so from the, an exposure to a number of those shows, I think I've just naturally been like always looking at the supporting characters, I guess maybe a, 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 a an aim to find something relatable in terms yeah. of uh, queer characters and things like that. Or, you know, sometimes I'll relate to a female character because she is interested in a guy. <laughs> sure. But yeah, I, I found myself, I think naturally just 
kind of looking a little bit to the left of camera to try and like see what these other people are doing. And then when it gets frustrating when they don't see them doing much, and I was like, oh, I get why you like Sarah now or, you know, this sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I Yeah, I totally get that. And a lot of TV shows, yeah, your main character is sort of a blank canvas so that most most audience members can plop themselves on top mm-hmm, of there and mm-hmm. go... I love Elena Gilbert because she's just like me. Or I can be Elena Gilbert and I can date the vampires too. I actually quite like Elena. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. Whereas, yeah, Linda is very specific. She's very much her own character. And so that is is quite jarring. And also if you don't relate to her, it can make it difficult. But it is interesting. Boy, is it. So, anyway, all right, yeah, we'll stop yeah. that now. So, so you're giving it two eyes. Yeah, in, in it's going to be hard. Yeah. But in, in one or two sentences, can you tell me why you love this show? I like this show because there is a character that I genuinely relate to who I don't see depicted very often. Mm. I I actually think, now that I'm thinking about it, literally the reason I like this show so much is Linda. Yeah. And not that I like her all the time, but that I like that I get to see this character who is a main character whose focus is not on relationships. Sure, she's got relationships. It's not her focus. Mm. Her focus is her career, and and that's for good or for evil. Sometimes that's depicted as a good thing and sometimes that's depicted as a bad thing, but we don't get to see that. And it's interesting to see how somebody with that focus does relate to the characters around her. We just don't see those kinds of relationships very often. Mm. And I think that that's really, it's a really interesting exploration of that. Also, sometimes it's pretty funny. (laughs) I mean, I don't find it too funny, but I think it's, it's kind of chuckly. I think it's probably got moments that are quite funny. Like I feel like, it will have a few misses for me yeah. because I have a certain comedic taste and sometimes I give laughs over way too easily. Sometimes if it's too much of a kiddie joke, I will just like recoil. I, it's not so much the kiddie jokes. I just I just like the offhanded nature of the quips. I, I love a lot of the quips that Linda gives out. Yeah. But I just, because of how manipulative she was being to Sarah, I just found it hard to laugh at them because I was just like, gosh. But I, nah, look, one of my favourite ones was the, a moment where she did think about herself in a time that she's meant to be thinking about herself in the first episode. And she's like, what's Spike doing? Have him send him over grift Yeah. <laughs> she's like, okay, okay. If I can't work, then, you know, whatever else. Yeah. Or, you know, what was Spike doing to me last? If, if Spike was here, what would he want you to do? Would he want you to stop? No, he'd probably want me with something with more cleavage and a shorter skirt. Correct. Yes. Gosh, I don't understand his charm. He's so delightful. I love him. He's so, uh, yeah. I mean, that being said, if I saw myself saying a similar thing to someone I was dating at the time, I was like, okay, yeah, they're charming. But I'd need to be exposed to it in a different way. Yeah, I think you just need to, like, lean into it a little bit. Anyway, so I think think that's why I like the show. Yeah. No. I, I think that speaks a lot to what you look for. Yeah. In, in, in certain characters' relatability and what you don't get. But it's interesting that I've come, because, like, you know, normally my things are, like, you know, gal pal, female friendships, people supporting each other, and this is very different You me. don't have to be into the same types of shows. No, no, but I, you know, it's interesting to hear me talk about it in that way. <laughs> I find it interesting. Yeah. Great. So, now that we've done that. Yes. So what's been in your eye this week, Jane? In my eye this week and for the past several weeks, kind of obsessively, mm-hmm. it's a two-parter. 
Okay. First of all, I started listening to this podcast called Whatever It Takes. Oh, so it's in your ear. So it's in my ear. Mm Mm-hmm. It is a podcast about Degrassi, the next generation. Oh, yes. I think I remember you mentioning this. <laughs> I've never seen Degrassi. Oh, what? Okay. So I've probably seen half an episode. This is definitely going to be an episode at yes, some point. I that know. Makes me so happy. Another teen drama. Aren't there like three generations? How many? How yes. Like, yeah. Yes. So there was, there was, well. <laughs> Actually, I won't go into the long storied history of Degrassi right now because if we do it as an episode, I can talk about it then. Yeah, okay. So, but that's on the horizon. So, yes. So, Degrassi, sorry, Whatever It Takes, which is a great podcast about Degrassi the Next Generation. It's just two gals, Kelsey and Holland, basically going mm-hmm. episode by episode mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, through the show. They're currently up to season five. And because I was like, well, I don't remember these episodes that well because it's been many, many, many years since I saw them. I also, part two, started watching Degrassi. Therefore. (laughs) You're watching Degrassi. I'm watching Degrassi. Mm -hmm. I'm up to season seven in watching Degrassi, but season five and listening to the podcast. Wow. Uh, There are like 14 seasons of Degrassi, The Next Generation, before it moves on to Next Class, which is a different kind of Degrassi. Gosh. Yeah. I only watched up to about... I think I've now surpassed the last episodes that I ever saw. Right. So I think I, I saw up to about season seven initially. So are you seeing content that you haven't seen before, but did you already know kind of what happens because I've you've known, looked into this stuff in I've terms known, of characters? Yeah, bits and pieces of what happens in mm. later seasons and stuff like that. Or I've, I've you know, read a listicle and I know of some characters. That's but we're starting to get into characters that I've never really met, mm-hmm. including Nina Dobrev. Elena from the oh, Vampire Diaries. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I just love that Jane gestured to me like I immediately knew who that was. And I was just like, look, I've seen Vampire Diaries, but not enough to care. So that actress got her start on Degrassi. Oh, how about that? Because she's Canadian, eh? Oh, I love it. Yeah, so I'm watching that. I'm really enjoying it. It's just kind of what I watch at the end of the night when I come home from work and I can't think anymore. Mm. Um, and I listen to the, the podcast all the time. It's great. Mm. Highly recommended. Both. Cool. Uh, well, uh, what I've been watching is uh, iZombie Season 5. Oh, I only just saw that that was back. Yeah, no, I, I, I um, it was about two weeks ago, and I was like, I was at the office a little bit late, and I was like, okay, need to have some food. So I was like, I went to make some dinner, and I don't like to do, do work when I'm eating. I try to, like, separate eating from work. That's a good idea. Um, so what I should I, do that. <laughs> it's very easy to just take something to your desk. Um, but what I do is um, I was just making a, a toasted sandwich and another sandwich, and I was like, oh, I zombies back. Oh, that's right. And I was like, four episodes are out. Cool. I'll just watch four. And I was like, I'll watch an episode and then get back to work. And, like, three episodes later, I was like, I need to go home. <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but it is uh, interesting. It's. I'm pretty sure it's the last season. I think it is. And I didn't know where it was going to go. I loved last season. Season four, it may have been my favourite. Yeah. I really like a number of things they did with last season. So I didn't have high expectations for this one because I already thought it wasn't going to meet them. Yeah. So I, I didn't know how I feel about it. I know that I'm enjoying it. Okay, fair yeah. enough. It's, it's interesting... It's very interesting dynamics they're dealing with now. I just feel like the different relationships have changed so much over a period of five seasons, not in terms of who's dating who or whatever else. That's quite clear, and people generally stick to one love interest throughout the entire series. I do like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I just don't know what it's doing. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what it's actually trying to say. I, kn- I think I knew what it was trying to say last season, 
but I found, but now that that's happened, there's a bit of heart behind it and something else that's happening. And I think it's going to take a while for me to realize what this show's trying to do. Yeah. And how it's going to end. Because when a show knows that it's ending, I have more expectations for that show to give me a bit more, not closure, because it doesn't exist, apparently. <laughs> But uh, no, sorry, closure doesn't exist in life. But it exists closure in television shows. Closure should absolutely exist in fiction. <laughs> if we can create it, it should exist. Yes. If we have ultimate control over it this totally universe, totally belongs in, okay. in fiction. You should absolutely close off your storylines. I like the idea of having closure. I think we'll get it. Okay. I think we'll get it. Great. Because I think the central character has been tortured so much. Yeah. That Liv deserves a bit of a happy ending, and I don't see it happening for her on a current trajectory. It seems like she's destined for tragedy, but I feel like the show's just trying to do that for a red herring for me. I just so, yeah. feel like they're going to try and be like, there's so much danger and potential for that this isn't going to end well. But give her a happy ending, please. That would, that would be nice. She's been through a lot, the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor, poor med student turned into zombie. Yeah. Yeah. So fun show if you haven't seen it before. I, do you recommend people starting iZombie from the beginning? You you liked the beginning of it, didn't you? Or it got too same-samey and episodic for you? I didn't love the first season from memory. It was okay. It's fine. In general... I've never really fallen in love with iZombie. Mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed it, but generally it's been a watch while doing other things. The thing the is, show. I much prefer the writing and uh, plots of Veronica Mars. Yeah. However, I prefer the ensemble cast of iZombie. I, in terms of supporting characters, yeah. yes, I think I do. It, look, it's, it's a hard decision, uh, and also nostalgia does play an element yeah, there. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know that they're, like, directly comparable. Well, the thing for me is that I didn't watch Veronica Mars until I was, like, t- 18. Yeah, I mean, I started when I was 16, so that's yeah, different. Yeah. But I think, I think the, the problem is generally that when we all started iZombie, we wanted it to be Veronica Mars. Yes, and, and was, that's, that was bad on our part. Yes, and it was hard to adjust to it not being that way. But in in the end, I think it's a good show. I do really like it. I just don't super duper really really love it. If you're going to watch it, absolutely watch it from the beginning. It doesn't make sense to skip. No, no, it's not one of those shows you can jump in at any time. So watch it from the beginning. You may find something that you love more in there than I did. I genuinely, once I got on board with it not being Veronica Mars, I quite enjoyed it a lot. The supporting characters are pretty fantastic. Yeah, uh, and it's it's. The central character is very skilled. She's just... Sorry, I've just had, like, a realisation as to why I think I don't love it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jane just, like, had this moment where she was, like, holding her finger out to the air, almost, like, testing the air conditioning. Or it was like, wait, no, she's holding a finger to her nose. What she's realised? What she's realised? I realised I have, like, this really strong aversion to body swap episodes. I think it's because I don't like watching oh. characters play other characters unless you're, like, Tatiana Maslany. Yes, because I was going to say, she's not Tatiana Maslany. No, that's a different thing. But also, they're not, they're actually different characters. Yes. And I think, I think watching other characters be characterized within somebody else's body I think that might just squick me a little bit. I have no, no idea, idea why. why. I cannot I... tell you why. I just think it. I think it's like a cognitive dissonance thing for me. I'm like, but you're not, <laughs> and you can never a hundred percent be. The only times I've ever really enjoyed it, like 
in Dollhouse, I didn't love Elijah Dushku doing it, mm-hmm. but I did love Anvaja Kai doing it because yeah. he was the only one who I felt was capable of actually embodying oh, another was, actor. He's very skilled. He is amazing. So yeah. I just think you have to be absolutely the best mimic or the best at playing other characters in order for me to buy it because you have to you have to be so specific with. I think it's about the way you carry yourself, and I don't always see the difference. And Rose McIver is a good actress. She's fabulous. I really like her. She's not incredible. At this one specific thing. No, but she still does. uh, She does it in a comedic way that's quite entertaining. And the thing is, this show isn't meant to be 100% realistic. No. It isn't. And so I do quite enjoy when she takes a little bit too far because she's having fun with it. You can see the costume department and her are having fun with it. And I think I see what you do, but I really dislike it when they take it too broad. I'm like, no, I don't like it. And... And I think this is extremely deeply personal. I have no idea why, but it's so rarely works for me to see a character play another Mm, character. Interesting. Uh, One of the more recent episodes of season five, uh, there was a dancing couple uh, and uh, one was uh, gay and one was uh, a straight girl. Uh, Sorry, a gay man and a straight girl. And she ended up having to have both of their brains. And so you saw like a... um, and I was really worried about how that was going to happen. And I'm like, okay, I've seen a lot of stereotypes in this show, but, you know, they're a different kind of person, but you already showed me him in a very stereotypical manner, and then you killed him off straight away, and now what's happening? It was very short-lived, and I was just like, I just... It, I, can, I can see why it would irk people. Yeah. And in that, in that case, when I was related to the stereotype that was yeah. being portrayed in a potentially comedic manner, I was, like, genuinely concerned for wanting to not continue watching the show. Yeah. Because I thought I would be offended or that I wouldn't find it funny or that it would just would seem cheap. Yeah. Um, so I, I do get it, but I think the storyline is interesting enough, um, or at least the way that the characters react to the storyline uh, is, is, is definitely pulling me through. Yeah. It's not something that I'm like, oh, it's that time of the week. I've got to watch the next episode. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's and more I, of a thing. And I absolutely will watch the last season. I do mm. want to know where it's going. It's kind of nice to just watch a couple episodes in a row and yep. then not see it for a few weeks. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's what's been in my eye. Great. Love it. All right. Well, I think that brings us to a close. Probably at the end of the episode. We've talked enough. We have, indeed. Well, you could always rate, review, and subscribe. Let us know what you think of the show or if there's anything else you'd like us to give it a gander at. That's right. We're on various platforms, whichever whichever one you choose to review us on. We would be much appreciative. Yes. Or if you want to come and have a chat or see what we're up to, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Information in the description below. Sure. I guess I'll link to them when I get around to it. Uh, yeah, we're, we're at Major Look Pod, I mm-hmm. think, on all of those platforms. So that's it. That's it. Have thank a you. nice week. And thank you for listening. Yes, thank you for listening. Have a nice week. <laughs> Sorry, James is so going to say that first. That's okay. It's fine. You're allowed to say it also. We both mean it. Goodbye. Bye. This week, mm-hmm. I made you watch. Is this what? how this goes? No, we kind of say I do it to you and so, then you say it. Yeah. So, Kurt, what did I make you watch this week? No, it's no, not it's I, I do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.